2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. What the Lord has for us this week and next is because of the Lord's Supper and other preliminary things that we've had to enjoy and needed to enjoy this morning. Uh, we won't be able to get through this whole text today. Uh, we're going to outline it for you. We're going to give you a proposition, a statement of fact, of reality, of what the whole passage is about. And I want to state to you again, as I did earlier, um, it's going to be a timely text, understanding the times that we live in. Remember, uh, pretty much the whole first seven chapters of this book study, and by the way, if you're a guest this morning, uh, it is our habit to go through one book of the Bible at a time and to preach through it. And this is the book the Lord's laid on our hearts for 2020. Uh, timely enough, again. But the whole first seven chapters is really about what it means to have a local church that ministers with integrity. You can go back on our website and follow through on all these uh, sermons by way of video or audio and uh, catch yourself up if the Lord impresses upon your heart to do that. But the Apostle Paul here talks about uh, ministry progress in the light of difficulty. Ministry progress in the light of difficulty. Really, uh, a ministry that has integrity is a ministry that's going to be able to find its way to gospel progress regardless of the degree of difficulty that it faces together as a family. And Paul's going to uh, exemplify that in his own life personally. So, so here's a proposition I want you to remember for this week and next. God always and in every place enables us to carry on effective ministry despite difficulties. God always, and underscore that word always, I don't want to skate over that. God always and in every place enables us enables you, enables me, to carry on effective ministry despite the difficulties. I would like to read, beginning in verse 12 of 2 Corinthians chapter 2 through verse 17, and I'm going to give you a little four-point um, outline. We're going to break up this short passage into four different truths that I think will be super helpful for us as we maintain effective ministry as a church during these providentially difficult times that God's given to us. Paul says in verse 12, Now when I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, and when a door was opened for me in the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, not finding Titus my brother. But taking my leave of them, I went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, an aroma from death to death. To the other, an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? For we are not like many, peddling the word of God, 
but it's from sincerity, but it's from God we speak in Christ in the sight of God. Now, verses 12 and 13 is what we'll cover today, God willing. And that's our first point, and that's simply this. Paul discusses for us the balanced progress of gospel purpose. The balanced progress of gospel purpose. Next week, as we rejoin together as a family, God willing, we'll look at verse 14, which teaches us our second principle, which is the divine influence of gospel purpose. The divine influence of gospel purpose. Verses 15 and 16 will teach us the holy honor of gospel purpose, the holy honor of gospel purpose. And finally, in verse 17, the undiluted purity of gospel purpose. The undiluted purity of gospel purpose. So again, God always and in every place enables us to carry on effective ministry despite the difficulties. I think one of the most simple realities of that this morning as we came in was a band of men underneath Pastor Steve's direction under the difficulty of a new order, right? Um, Putting together a tent, (laughs) the electronics, the wiring across the driveway. Uh, Do you know how difficult that is in such a short notice to provide an opportunity for our family to be together? Now, I know that that's one thing among many things here that they did very, very well. But that's balanced progress. Balanced progress. But in the light of difficulty, we still move forward. We still move forward. Paul identifies that here very, very clearly in these two verses. He's basically saying when we trust God's sovereignty as his children, that there will be unavoidable ministry trouble. That should never make gospel progress expendable. There will always be unavoidable ministry trouble that should never make gospel progress expendable. What does he say here in verse 12? Now when I came to Troas. For what? For the gospel of Christ, and when a door was opened to me in the Lord. This was certainly sovereign direction of Paul's life to come to Troas and to have an opportunity. There it is. There's the gospel purpose. So let's unpack this gospel opportunity here in light of the context and apply it to where we're at today. The word door here is used. Scriptural authors don't use that word very, very often. But when it is used, it signifies two things in each context. That God allowed them to walk into an opportunity so they're in the room of opportunity. And the second thing that every time established because of the door that was open for Paul at Ephesus. Gospel opportunity. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 3. You can write that down if you'd like. Paul's in prison. And he writes to the Colossian believers and he asks them to pray about something. 
He asked them to pray expectantly that the moment that he's released from prison, that God would open up for him a door of opportunity. Now, when we pray, there is certainly something that we can expect to happen. This is not a a name it, claim it theology. This is not a obey God and get rich, right? Obey God and live the American dream. What we're going to find out later, this gospel opportunity never comes without difficulty. But he's asking the Colossian believers, please pray so that when I get out, I can have another opportunity that I know is going to include difficulty. But if you pray, I can expect that there could be gospel progress and fruit that would remain from that opportunity that the Colossian believers prayed for. You can write down Acts chapter 14 and verse 27. Paul and Barnabas had explained in that text how the Lord had opened up to them a door of faith unto the Gentiles. The gospel went first to the Jews. Paul's missionary journeys with the band of faithful believers would commence the gospel going to the world, the Gentiles. Cross the threshold into that region of the world the gospel would spread and there was an expectation of response to the message so some say Paul's opportunity in Troas historically if you read church historians was similar to the opportunity that he had at Ephesus where from Ephesus as I've already said many churches were planted So Paul's passionate expectation for gospel progress could not be thwarted, even hindered in the face of ministry difficulty. So let's examine the ministry difficulty here that Paul was personally experiencing. He goes on to say in verse 13 what? I had no rest for my spirit. But we have to understand verses 12 and 13 is one complete thought. It's one complete sentence. So there's a duality of things going on here. Gospel purpose, an open door for the gospel, and coupled with it was personal agony. I had no rest in my spirit or for my spirit, not finding Titus my brother. Some say Paul experienced, and these are some different words that I wrote down and how different uh, commentators explained this word or this phrase, I find no rest. I found it fascinating. One said Paul experienced terror in his soul. He experienced intense anxiety. One author said that he lived during this time a harassment of soul. Another said, and at best, extreme personal unsettledness. And we'll explain that here as we move along. Extreme personal unsettledness. When he came to Troas, it seems he was expecting to see Titus, who would bring him a report from the Corinthian church regarding how they had responded to Paul's very difficult letter of correction. So his personal agony here is directly tied to finding one guy who's going to be bringing a report from Corinth. And his agony demonstrates how much care and love and affection and concern he had for the church that had been planted at Corinth, that had been experiencing difficulties that we've reviewed in the past few weeks, and Paul had to address those difficulties, and he was awaiting a response from Titus. 
So for a spirit-filled believer, when the word of God's given and we're waiting for a response to how that word of God was received and how it changed the soul and gave birth to fruit in the way a soul lived, here a church in Corinth, it can cause great harassment of soul. It can cause terror of soul for a believer because of the deep concern that we have for the flock. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for teaching. I'll just stop and ask a quick question. When's the last time you had any terror or harassment of soul or extreme anxiety in your soul over the state of anyone in this flock and their response to the Word of God? I don't believe this was an apostolic terror or harassment of soul. I believe this was a saint of God who certainly had the gift of evangelism, who had extreme concern for the souls that had come to Christ in Corinth, who had fallen back away from fellowship with him, and he had given them admonition, and he was so concerned that they would just step out and do the right thing after having slipped back. I believe spirit-filled Christians in any church and at Grace Church of Mentor should be that concern, that concern for the state of another soul in which you may disciple or shepherd here at Grace Church in their own response to the Word of God. That's why through this whole pandemic and the quarantine and the regathering of church, you've heard me say over and over and over, if you're discipling somebody or you're being discipled by somebody, find them. Don't stop. Don't let a quarantine keep you from shepherding each other in the Word. Why? So that you might know the progress of another soul in the Word of God. It's right here. It's not merely Pauline. It's not merely apostolic. I believe it's good for all of us to be concerned about each other's growth. That doesn't make us intrinsically nosy believers, friends. That makes us genuinely concerned for the spiritual state of a brother or sister in Christ's soul. He said, I had no rest in my spirit. While I was enjoying an open door, I had no rest. Paul's personal tumultuous unrest was a supernatural, natural reality for him because he loved the Corinthian church. He had seen the Spirit of God do a great and mighty work in that city. He knew the gospel influence of the saints in that large municipality. He knew how the devil had sifted them from without and from within. He experienced sleepless nights and anxious moments through his days waiting for Titus to report. Only when he got to Troas, Titus wasn't there. And he needed to keep about gospel purpose anyway. Remember what I said. When trusting sovereignty, unavoidable ministry trouble shouldn't make gospel progress expendable. Again, notice the, at times, dual nature of genuine gospel ministry. I think we have to wrestle with this in these two verses. This is our reality too, isn't it? 
Those of you who shepherd souls well know the anxiety of the soul when those in your care struggle. You skillfully use the word of God to help, and often we await with long patience a proper response to the word of God. What agony we experience while we wait. This can be children in your home. This can be church family. This can be Christian biological family, possibly, but exclusively application to the local church setting, souls for the word of God and proper response to the word of God here at Grace Church of Mentor. So we wait, we pray, we still pursue gospel progress, but we struggle, don't we? We struggle. So that's the first truth underneath the reality that balanced progress is always or gives birth to gospel purpose. And balanced progress is what? Open doors, gospel ministry, while we still struggle in our own soul with the reception of the word of God among God's people. So do you sense that ever? If you're just going to church and you're going through the motions of saying, hey, I go to a good Bible-believing church and I love the people there and you're, and, you're, and you're faithful, right? Praise God for that. But there's got to come that time in your life as you grow in Christ-likeness where you have that depth of concern for at least another soul inside Grace Church of Mentor. And they have that concern for you two sides of the same coin here. So then together, you both can enjoy new opportunities to give the gospel while you hold each other accountable to growth in the word. And there's going to be a reality at times when you're studying with someone or possibly even the person who's leading you in the scriptures struggles in their walk. But then there's at least two who can find each other to struggle back into the right progress in the will of God according to the word of God. And many of you are studying three and four or more together. We know from last year what Ecclesiastes had to say about the safety, right, of two and the extraordinary safety of three or more. So are you enjoying balanced progress in our gospel purpose? And that first principle, we trust God's sovereignty when we face unavoidable ministry trouble without making gospel progress expendable. Secondly, this morning, underneath this first point, Balanced progress and gospel purpose required, requires trusted ministry partners. It segues nicely into this guy named Titus. He's right here in the context. It fits well with our first principle here. Who was Titus? Galatians 2.3. We know that he was a Greek. In our text, Paul calls him my brother. 2 Corinthians 7.15 and 2 Corinthians 8.16, we'll see later, Paul speaks directly to his love and devotion for the Corinthian believers that Titus had. Later, Paul left Titus in Crete. Remember the pastoral epistle, Titus? He left him in Crete 
as a trusted leader there to set in order that church by first ordaining elders. It's Titus chapter 1 and verse 5. And Paul entrusted him with the ecclesiastical oversight of the church and the whole island of Crete. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10, we understand that Titus was actually with Paul in Paul's final imprisonment. Many believe that he lost his life there. So he was with Paul as a loyal partner even unto Paul's breathing of his last. Titus chapter 1 and verse 4 tells us really, Paul reveals how his relationship with Titus began. He calls him his true child in the faith. I personally believe, and many authors that write about that text also agree that this probably meant that Paul had led Titus to Christ as a young man. As he had seen Timothy come to Christ under his preaching as Timothy grew up in Lystra in Acts 14. He was a true child in the faith. Titus had become the first among equals in the church of Crete, and he faithfully ministered there until his death. Church history tells us who Titus' successor was in the island of Crete. And it tells us how his pastoral successor eulogized Titus when Titus died. His pastoral successor was named Andreas Cretensis. And he said this of Titus at his death. He's the first foundation stone of the Cretan church the pillar of the truth, the stay of the faith, the never silent trumpet of evangelistic truth, the exalted echo of Paul's own voice. Paul had a ministry partner. He had someone to endure ministry agony with. He had someone that he could trust. And as we enjoy together the balanced progress of gospel purpose, we understand there's going to be this duality of unavoidable ministry trouble without making gospel progress expendable. But that gospel progress must always be enjoyed with someone in God's local church. God never intended any saint here to go the Christian life alone. God never intended he sat here to enjoy gospel progress in your own life personally alone. God never intended every saint here to merely just enjoy your personal devotion to God alone. Enjoy it, but it must have that layer of trusted gospel partnership. Paul had multiple ministry partners. He highlights here Titus because Titus, as I said earlier, was bringing the message of how Corinth had responded to his difficult letter that he wrote. And he was able to maintain progress even though he didn't find Titus at Troas. And then he left Troas to go find Titus, the text says here, in Macedonia. But taking my leave of them, I went to Macedonia. And that's where he rendezvoused with this beloved brother, this true son in the faith. There are so, so many personal and ecclesiastical ministry applications to this. But just think about, my friends, the last five months of your existence. 
how well have you done if you decided to go this alone? I mean, really. I could not imagine my personal existence apart from the body of Christ and the interdependent function among the body of Christ here at Grace Church of Mentor. I've experienced gospel progress personally, and we've experienced it together as a church family. You've experienced it personally, and then together with this family. There are some sitting in this auditorium this morning that have stiff necks when it comes to the second application. You won't do it with somebody else. And it's right plainly here in the text in front of us. And it's been in the text since we started the book study in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. There's really nobody that's good enough to do it with you. There's no one that satisfied you enough to go do this gospel progress, this balanced gospel ministry together with you. That's arrogance. That's the epitome of pride. Could you imagine me standing here as a pastor and saying, there's no one in this church that can teach me anything? (laughs) What kind of a pastor would I be if I wasn't a learner, a lover, and a worshiper? What kind of person would I be if I could say, well, I could do ministry alone without you. Just follow me. I'm the man of God here. Just trust me and let's go. What arrogance. You never see that in any spirit-filled author of Scripture or saint in the body, local in Scripture. Balanced progress in gospel purpose requires trusted partners. It requires it. It requires it so much that Paul could say, I'm going through the door in Troas. I'm preaching the gospel. It's a great door open before me, and I'm preaching to lost people who need the gospel, and at the same moment, he's agonizing because he doesn't see Titus. And he fulfills his responsibility. He doesn't stop obeying. He fulfills his responsibility on his way to Macedonia where he finds Titus, that trusted partner. We give our third principle underneath this first point, which is simply this. Balanced progress in gospel purpose compels us to understand that uncertainty pulls us together and never drives us apart. So in this time of uncertainty, you haven't heard that word at all in the last five months, have you? In this time of uncertainty... The text teaches us that it's the uncertainty that compels us. It pulls us together and does not drive us apart. So if something's driving you apart, it ain't God. The tougher the road of gospel opportunity, the tighter the bond among God's people. And it's a must. It's a must. Dave Hickson in his lifetime has offended me. I've offended Dave. I can't tell you how much I need that man. Harry Dodd, 
Bob Gray, Ben Richard, Ron Hart, Nick Master Petro, all of our elders, they have offended me, and I know I've offended them. We're human. Collectively together, we've literally had hundreds of years of human ministry experience together. It's inevitable that offenses are going to come. But for me to say I can go alone, go this alone without them, what a fool I would be. What a fool I would be. Now more than ever in our church's existence, uncertainty needs to drive us together. The Spirit of God desires that. So many of you are experiencing that. And I praise God for that. Some of you have laid down the mantle of discipleship during quarantine. I ask you to pick it up today. Some of you haven't had the opportunity, and, and I don't know why. To me, the circumstance really doesn't matter to me, right? I'm closing up. We're closing for today. All I can say is, if you've laid it down, you haven't contacted the person you've been shepherding in the Word, right? Go find your Titus. <laughs> and if you're a Titus, go find your Paul. And let the uncertainty drive us. What do I always say here on Sunday mornings? To the Lord, to his word, to each other, and then unto a greater burden for lost people in our community who need Jesus Christ. How many of you have heard me say that? Hundreds of times. Love the Lord. Love his word. Love each other. Let's go reach the community for the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is exemplifying that as his own personal spiritual pledge of allegiance right here. I may have some of you begin to come up and give public testimony starting next week about what a blessing it's been for you and how affliction and uncertainty in the last five months has driven you together with people in this flock unto gospel opportunity and going deeper in the word while we go broader in our influence for Christ. Our flock needs to hear from you. But that's it. Balanced gospel progress in the midst of uncertainty. And I promise to you next week we'll get to points two, three, and four. Okay? When we get up, there's five different rooms and one outdoor tent. A flock divided on campus. Physically but not divided in mission, not divided in spirit, not divided in purpose, and never divided during the week as we pursue balanced gospel progress together. Amen? Amen. Never divided. The uncertainty makes us stronger. Not just stronger going deeper in the word, but stronger in our gospel outreach. When you get together and you study, and it's okay to experience this duplicity, remember? Obedience while you're tormented of soul. You got to keep moving forward. You got to keep moving forward. You can sense the, the battle in Paul's own soul. You've got to keep moving forward. You've got to do it together. But when you meet to pray, when you meet to study, please pray that God would use you for gospel purposes in this town. What door? Would God have you walk through and know gospel opportunity? And you're prayerfully together with somebody else expecting that to happen. 
that's where the Spirit of God is going to do a great, great work here in Menor. Okay? All right. You can tell this has been on my heart for a few days, probably. <laughs> and I am deeply concerned, deeply concerned. My soul is tormented for some. Conflict does what conflict does. As Peter explains it in his first letter, it brings for all of us, me, I'm tormented for my own soul first and tormented for your second, right? It brings to in all of us the, the, the dross, right? What do trials and uncertainty and affliction? It brings to us all of our personal uglinesses right to the top, and the Word of God just helps us clean them off so we can grow some more. And that's good to do that personally. We've got to do it together too. Right? We've got to do it together. No Lone Ranger Christians. Father in heaven, we love you. I thank you for the way the Spirit of God is moving in our family here at Grace. So many, during these times of uncertainty, have done so well. We've seen people saved. I hear testimony after testimony after testimony of those studying together over FaceTime, over Google Duo, over Zoom, growing each other in the Word, praying together for the lost souls in their personal venues in Lake County, begging the Spirit of God to do a supernatural work in the hearts of lost people who desperately need the peace of Christ in their hearts. Especially now. And yet, Lord, my heart's personal terror for some exist without that Pauline mindset of that passion for necessary divine partnership in the midst of gospel progress. And I pray, Lord, that your word this morning would simply touch their hearts by your spirit, convict them, humble them, and compel them to redirect because the uncertainty of our times is not over. And may uncertainty compel us to be stronger together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.